Welcome to Luke 21 Radio, a broadcast explaining biblical prophecy in the tradition of St. Augustine. And now, from Greenville, South Carolina, here's your host, Steve Wood. Hello, this is Steve Wood, and today we're going to talk about what everybody wants to talk about when they discuss the book of Revelation. And we're finishing up the book of Revelation, so what do people want to talk about? Well, the date of the appearing of the Antichrist and the date of the second coming. So just so you know, this is a twin broadcast. I'm going to take one perspective today, and I guess if there was a word for today's broadcast, it would be caution. And next week on episode 138, well, just tune in and you'll find out what we'll be doing. But the best advice that I've encountered for date setting regarding the appearing of the Antichrist and the date of the second coming comes from Yogi Berra. He said this, it's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. You know, in the history of the church, I mean, the whole gamut, the whole entire history of the Christian church has been filled with date setting, even though Jesus advised rather strongly against it. I'm going to give you a summary of some of those date setting predictions in today's broadcast. Let's start way back in 165 AD. Justin Martyr, who was a good man, he thought the Antichrist was just about to appear in his day. He said, he whom Daniel foretells is already at the door and about to speak blasphemies and daring things against the Most High. But the Antichrist didn't come in 165. In 170, there was a prophetess named Priscilla, who was a follower of another prophet, Montanus, who said that the New Jerusalem, which we read about in the last closing chapters of the book of Revelation, that the New Jerusalem was about to descend to a town in what is now modern-day Turkey. Uh, another uh, time where a lot of people thought it was the end was the sack of Rome in 410, and many people believe that the fall of Rome signaled the end of the world. And, you know, in many ways, I can be very sympathetic to it. I know people who were in New York during um, the 9-11 attacks, and some thought this could be it. This could be the end. And let's say uh, if we go through a nuclear war, it doesn't necessarily mean this is the end of the world, even though people would claim it is. So, 410 came and went. It wasn't the end of the world. The Bishop Hippolytus of Rome, uh, writing in the second century, and I, I like this writer. He wrote the earliest commentary on any book of the Bible, uh, commentary on Daniel, and I'll be talking about that when we study Daniel. He wrote a treatise on the Antichrist, but he believed that the second coming was 500 AD. He shouldn't have done that, but oh well. Now, Gregory the Great, around 600, described, and again, he's a good guy, described his day as, quote, a time when the end of the world is drawing nigh. The Antichrist, the enemy of God, is near at hand. And let's move forward in history a bit. Did you know that Roger Bacon said that uh, all wise men believe that we are not far removed from the time of the Antichrist. And he was writing this in 1268. And here's something about Roger Bacon. He loved mathematics. And one thing I've noticed that some people are really good at math like to try to compute the time of the end, and it's a big mistake. Uh, Michael Stifel, who was a friend of Luther's, 
mounted Luther's pulpit and declared that the second coming would occur at 8 a.m. on October 19, 1533. Now, how he got even the hour, not just the day and the year and the month, but the hour, I do not know. Christopher Columbus, did you know that he thought he basically discovered the new heavens and the new earth? He said, quote, God made me the messenger of the new heaven and the new earth of which he spoke of in the apocalypse of St. John, and he showed me the spot where to find it, unquote. And he also predicted the end of the world in 1655. See, good people make mistakes. Isaac Newton, good with numbers again, predicted uh, the second coming in 1715, and that didn't work. So then he predicted in 1766. There was an English preacher, George Bell, who declared that the second coming would occur on February 28, 1763. So on the night that it was supposed to be the second coming, everybody was so worked up that John Wesley had to preach all night long in an attempt to try to calm people down uh, who were expecting the world to end that night. And of course, also he tried to provide comfort for them for the great disappointment that followed the false prediction. There is a man by the name of Edward Irving in England, and boy, he struck out more than once, more than twice. He predicted the second coming in 1835, 1838, 1842, and 1845. And of course, none of them came true. One of the most famous predictions of the rapture and publications regarding the coming of Christ in his second coming was by a man named William Miller. And he lived in the uh, late 1800s. And what made William Miller a little different, he really effectively used the printing press to produce illustrated publications to bolster the credibility of his computations for the date of the rapture and the second coming. So he predicted on October 22nd, 1884 would be the date. So in advance, people sold their farms and everything they owned. Uh, they let their fields go unplanted. And even on that night, some people put on what they called ascension robes. That, In other words, they were going to be the first taken up into heaven. And some even put on ascension robes and waited on their rooftops so that they could go first. And others who couldn't get to their rooftops climbed up on apple trees waiting for the second coming. And William Miller was fully convinced um, that this would come. It didn't come, so he predicted another coming or a rapture uh, about a year later. It didn't happen, and it was called the Great Disappointment. And the movement that we know now as the Church of the Seventh-day Adventists grew out of the disappointments uh, from these prophecies. In our day, and I can actually remember this, I was working on the staff of a Protestant church, and some people got cranked up by a man named Edgar Wisenot, who was a NASA engineer. Note another guy who was good with numbers, probably has got his calculator out and tried to determine from the Bible what would be the date of the end. And he wrote a book 
uh, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be Between September 11th and September 13th, 1988. And this man sold 2 million copies of his book. 2 million copies. Well, you know, it came and went and another false prophet. Now, just so you know, I mean, um, the you know, Catholics and Protestants have fallen for date predicting. You need to be very careful about this. And, of course, there was a lot of predictions made uh, as we approached the year 2000. And there was a priest by the name of Father Gobi who claimed to have received prophetic messages directly from the Blessed Virgin Mary. And he wrote a book, uh, and in this book, entitled To the Priest, Our Lady's Beloved Sons, he had some of these prophecies. And message 532 said this, and I quote, I, that is Mary, confirm to you that by the great jubilee of the year 2000, there will take place the triumph of my immaculate heart, of which I foretold you at Fatima, and this will come to pass with the return of Jesus in glory to establish his reign in the world. Thus, you will at last be able to see with your own eyes the new heavens and the new earth. And a lot of good Catholic folks um, have a great appreciation for the Blessed Mother uh, fell for this. And I can remember when I first got this, I, I, I read his whole book. But when I got to the date prediction of the second coming, I started shaking my head because we should know better than to fall for dates. This has been going on for almost 2,000 years, and it's almost a—not almost, it is a perfect track record of false date setting. Listen to Yogi. It's tough to make predictions, especially about the future. And then most recently— there was a man by the name of David Mead, and noticed he was a Christian numerologist. In other words, he liked math, and he tried to decipher biblical prophecies with his calculator, and he was a self-proclaimed expert in interpreting the book of Revelation, and he said the rapture would occur on September 23rd, the year 2017. Now, it didn't occur, and I think he came up with another date for the end of the world or the rapture or something. But, you know, uh, people like David Mead were just mocked in the press. William Miller was mocked in the press. And those who make predictions, I'm talking about definite predictions, certain predictions, date setting, are like the boy who cried wolf in Aesop's fables, that, you know, giving false alarms, false prophecies, and then when a genuine prophetic alert comes along, people just let it go and don't heed it. This is what St. Augustine said about the rise of the Antichrist. It is customary to ask, when shall this be? But he said, namely Jesus said, it is not for you to know the times which the Father has put in his own power. St. Augustine goes on, in vain then do we attempt to compute definitely the years that may remain in this world. When we may hear from the mouth of truth, that's Jesus' mouth, that it is not for us to know this. 
but to point out how each of them supports his own opinion would take too long, and it is not necessary, for they indeed use human conjectures, bringing forward nothing certain from the authority of the canonical scriptures. But on this subject, he puts aside the figures of the calculators, the guys that like math and biblical prophecy, and orders silence, who says, it is not for you to know the times which a father has put in his own power. So we don't set dates for the second coming. We don't fall for people who set specific dates for the rapture, for the second coming, for the rise of the Antichrist, or whatever. But what does happen is that when somebody gives a specific date, it focuses the mind, it gathers all the attention in the world, and maybe people who are stumbling through life all of a sudden wake up. No, that's not how it, it's supposed to be, because what we call the Christian life is to be an awakened life. We're to live our lives in an awakened state, not every so many years when some false prophet gives a date and it doesn't come to pass, and then we go to sleep again. No, we watch and pray. We keep our lives morally aligned with Jesus and make sure we get to confession on a regular basis. So we're ready to meet him whenever he comes. And in the meantime, Maranatha, come Lord Jesus. I'm Steve Wood, your host, and you've been listening to episode 137 of Luke 21 Radio. Luke 21 is a radio outreach of Family Life Center International. To learn more about biblical prophecy and to order copies of Luke 21 broadcasts, visit us online at Luke 21.com.